Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Raja Bell. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. What is going on? Happy Monday. March Madness is in full force. We have our final four. It is set. We don't have Raja. He's off today. But we have somebody who might even be better, like more intimidating. (laughs) Nobody's as good as Raja. But we do have our guy Chip Patterson uh, from right here at CBS Sports. He covers college football. You can check out his 24-7 college football podcast with Barton Simmons. They do a fantastic job. Really entertaining. Highly recommend that. You can see him right here on CBS Sports HQ where he covers basketball, college football, and college basketball for us. And he was in Atlanta for the South Regional, so he really is dialed in on the college basketball scene too. Welcome to the show, Chip. How's it going, man? Oh, it's great. Uh, I'm so glad to be here because I didn't get a chance to be on the bench. I always got cut, <laughs> so I was the team t- statistician. Uh, I was the house announcer, and now I'm in press row. So to be able to be on the bench is uh, is exciting for me right now. Fantastic, I love it. Uh, Raja will be back with us on Wednesday, so if anybody's upset, we'll get that. We'll get back to him on uh, Wednesday coming back. So I have a question for you before we get to the basketball because we got a big show for you. We're going to do the entire weekend. We're going to preview the Final Four as well. But you're a frequent traveler, right? Like you you travel a lot. If you're in this business, you travel a lot. So I have a question for you. Do I have a right to be upset with this one? I won't give the airline because you never know sponsors. You never know (laughs) the types of deals. So I was going from West Palm to Los Angeles, right? So I went from, but I had to go through Atlanta, which is always, it's always a crapshoot, right? When you go through Atlanta. So I'm in West Palm and I'm on the runway and our flight isn't leaving. And I'm like, what's going on? They're not really making an announcement. Uh, it's like 20, 30 minutes, and I'm like, oh, okay, what's going on? So then finally, the guy comes on, and he's like, uh, you know, hey, uh, passengers, if you want to open up your right side window shade, you might be able to have a look at Air Force One. And so literally, Donald Trump was on the runway. He was no. taking off. We saw, we saw, like, it was kind of cool. Like, Air Force One is ginormous, and it was going off, and they had all these cops. Like, the whole airport was entirely shut down. So that's the reason we were delayed. No, so I'm, I'm I'd be so out. mad. <laughs> <laughs> I was livid. I was like, "What the heck?" So I so we get to Atlanta. Now this is this is the issue I have, and you, Chip, you have to weigh in on this. All right. I think I have a legit beef. So I'm so I knew I had a tight window. It was about 14 minutes. We landed at 5:40, and my flight was taking off at 5:54. But I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna try to hustle. I think I might be able to make it. So I'm sprinting through the airport, running up to my gate. It's a different terminal. Like I had to go through the tram and all that crap. Get there at 5.51 for a 5.54 departure. And the plane is pulling away. Like the little tarmac thing is going away. Do I... I was mad. Now, I put some stuff on social media, and I was getting roasted for it because everybody's like, you can't just show up right before. I'm like, well, I wasn't showing up right before. I was delayed. Do I have a legitimate beat? I no. think you have a legitimate beef with the airlines, but in terms of the gate agent, I, I mean, don't they say 10 minutes before departure, the, <laughs> the boarding door is going to be closed? Yes. Why you got to go technical on me? No, it's just I the mean, saddest thing ever when you run up to the gate and you have the lady being like, I'm sorry, the gate's closed. I, <laughs> I mean, we've all been say- there. <laughs> I thought with that story, you were going to say, then you hit Pence because Pence was in Atlanta. Oh, and it, 
crushed traffic. I mean, already bad Atlanta Friday afternoon post-work traffic was even worse because they'll just shut down entire sections of the highway so that he could get in there. And I was about to say, if you were to get the executive branch double whammy, that would have been just the worst luck ever for a traveler. Exactly. I told the lady, too, because she was nice as could be. She's like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, I'm not mad at you. But right now, you're the face of the airline, and I have to vent. But she was she was laughing. And I got on the next flight, like, no problem. And it actually allowed me to see the second half of the Duke-Kansas game, which was kind of cool because uh, I was watching the Delta Sky Club and people were kind of into it. Like it was kind of like watching a uh, watching at a sports bar somewhat. And everybody gets hammered in the Sky Club, so it was it was great. And great it allowed after. you to see your favorite rapper. Oh, that's right. I forgot the best part of the story. So the flight that I was delayed on, I'm walking in and uh, I got first class. Humble brag. Because uh, I've done status. Like I, I get I get status. So I get I get I get first class. All right. And I'm walking in and I see this guy. And he's like decked out in like chains, gold chains, and he's got trap written like trap music. He just says trap I'm on his so chest. I'm so nervous like, for who you're gonna say. So then, I, <laughs> what do you think? He's wearing chains. Like <laughs> this is like this is killing me. Keep going. I'm no, I'm no, no, hanging no. on the so, edge of my seat. No, so Hannah, I think you'd be proud of me because I was like, hold on a second. I, I think I know who that is. It was two chains. So I recognize him because he's tall. Like he was kind of crammed in the thing because he played hoops in college. But it was two chains. He was sitting right in front of me. What gave but, it away? The chains? Yeah. What gave? <laughs> Wait. What'd you say to him? But it didn't say two chains. I just gave him like, a "What's up?" Like we're both in first class. Like, "What's up?" I'm not gonna be the fan who like bothers him. So he, but he like he was kind of rude to this. Like he just kind of shut himself off from the world. Like he kind of just was in his own world and uh, shut it down. But I didn't know this. This I thought was kind of crazy. When we landed in L.A. They had like the secret escape route. Like he went straight in this back room so he wasn't harassed at all. Because I watched every, like we were on first and I watched everybody board. And as everybody was boarding, they were like, it was like kind of embarrassing. Like it was like a zoo. Like they were like, oh, oh." and everybody's like kind of Google, like ogling at him. So I felt kind of bad for him, but. He got out of there, no problem. Oh, we man. both made it to LA. Yeah, you so. gotta play it cool. If you see two chains or like Gucci or any of those people, you gotta just play it cool. Although I wanted though. to try to ask him to come on the pod. Yeah. Really <laughs> but he did he seemed like he was like it was late. Like he seemed like he wasn't having it. There wasn't gonna be like a photo op with the I was gonna do the selfie and I was like, no, no, you can't do that. So unless I had chains on. All right, let's do it, Debo. Let's get to what we learned. All right, Chip. So start us off. I think we learned that Kansas was deserving of that number one next to their name, defeating number uh, number two Duke as the underdog. And also Malik Newman, you can't say enough about his performance, 32 points, and all 13 of Kansas is coming in overtime. What did you learn? I think that while there's a lot of people who wring their hands about the transfer culture, Malik Newman to me is a great example of a player who, you know, was one of the top players in the country coming out of high school. And now he's got an opportunity to achieve everything that he ever wanted. And that wasn't going to be something that he had an opportunity to do earlier in the career. Now he's going to the Final Four. And he was not only the star last night, but he's really been the best player for Kansas throughout this NCAA tournament. Devontae Graham, the point guard, who I love. He went to my high school, Broughton High School. Sco Caps represent but Malik Newman, uh, that was a kid who I think a lot of people thought had the potential to be uh, someone who could lead a team like Kansas. And it hasn't always been that case. And so I like for him uh, the chance for him to be able to to have this breakout moment because 
that is the thing that puts Kansas over the top because all year, you know, we were looking at Kansas and we're like, is this the year that they don't win the Big 12? Like I remember in January and February, which is kind of when I, you know, I mean, Danny, you know, I'm, I'm all college football and then I just throw myself at college basketball as soon as the national title game is over. And when I did, I, I was really shocked to see a Kansas team that was like set, lose, you know, uh, losing to West Virginia, you know, second to Texas Tech in the standings. And I was wondering, I was like, man, are they not going to make history? And it's so interesting that this team, you know, not the team with Andrew Wiggins, you know, not some of the teams that are just loaded, like this team that we thought might have been uh, one of the least talented Bill Self teams, not only is the 14th consecutive Big 12 regular season champion, uh, but making it back to the Final Four. Yeah, it was a fantastic finish, too. In overtime, it was crazy. Uh, Duke had the chance to win. I think that shot is going to haunt Grayson Allen for a long time because it was in yeah, was and out when he took the final shot in regulation. Bill Self was obviously really emotional after the game. You know, I'm not, a, not that emotional. This is the best I've felt yes, sir. about a group. And you guys have no idea how much this means to so many people. I'm going to start crying. I'm, I'm tearing up. It was, I, it was funny because I do some radio with Sirius XM. We have a show. We had a caller, uh, two weeks ago said he thought Bill Self was overrated. And this was a Kansas fan. And I was like, are you crazy? But I thought he did a fantastic job, especially coming out of the half. Like, what did you see from him with the second half adjustments? Cause they were down three at the half. Then they come out and they go on the really impressive run to take the lead. Uh, and it's just, it, it kind of changed the complexion of the game. I, I think there's, you know, your adjustments to the zone defense, right? Like you, you gotta figure out, uh, who's gonna be able to be the playmaker, who's gonna be able to flash to the middle of that zone, uh, help set up the, the secondary action once you're able to get the interior pass. Uh, I thought that in addition to Newman, LeGerald Vick had a pretty good game. I thought D'Souza in general has been, uh, a big, a big player for them down low. You know, we were really concerned about how Kansas was gonna fare on the interior. And uh, they did a great job, even with uh, Udoka Azubuke getting in some foul trouble and eventually fouling out down the stretch. You know, they found ways to limit what was an a huge uh, advantage on paper with Duke having Marvin Bagley and Wendell Carter Jr. down low. So I I think that making sure that Bagley didn't beat them up inside and being able to to execute on offense inside the zone against the zone uh, from the inside out, I thought that was the those were the things. Uh, that I think ultimately keyed Kansas to the victory because I mean I, I kind of felt like Kansas outplayed Duke for most of the second half, but Duke was just hanging around yeah. and mm-hmm. and that was when normally I'm like oh you know I I live here in Raleigh like I've I've been growing up on Tobacco Road knowing college basketball for uh, more than 30 years and I just you know that's where the the back part of my brain is like oh well here's where Duke comes back and rips everyone's hearts out and Duke is such a villain on a national stage like it just kind of felt like this game where Duke wasn't the better team for the second half but that they were still going to come back and steal it credit to Bill Self and credit to Kansas uh, for making sure that they capped off a great second half with a win in overtime you talked about Duke being the villains of college basketball and really that was epitomized in one player in Grayson Allen for the last few years I mean he has been the most hated player. Do you think I'm crazy in saying that? Like, I think he's been the most hated player, unless you're a Duke fan and you love him. But I think a lot of people look at him, and, they, and if you hate Duke, like, that's what it looks like. It looks like Grayson Allen. What? And I, it was funny because I did think 
Like I and this is I hate when you go back and say, well, when I played, but when I was in high school, we had a state championship. We lost in the final by one point, and one of my best friends missed the layup, and it was a it was it was a you know in and out type of shot. And we talked about it. We still talk about it. Like when we get back together, I'm serious when I say that shot will haunt Grayson Allen for the rest of his life. Like what could have been a game winner bounces off the rim five times and goes in and out. I think he's going to have nightmares of that. I'm sure the payday that he'll get in the NBA will help a little bit. But what do you think his legacy is? Is it the most hated player? Is it the villain of of, um, of Duke or of college basketball? Or do you think he'll be able to kind of move past that when he gets to the NBA and can have you know a long, successful career like a J.J. Redick? I think he can have a long, successful career. I think for many outside and from a distance, uh, he will never – uh, he will never get over the tripping incidents. And, and we didn't see that as much this season. Uh, but when he was going through an entire stretch of, you know, so much so that he got suspended for a game and Mike Krzyzewski stripped him of his captaincy. And I know that that might not mean a lot to a lot of fans and maybe it doesn't mean a lot to a lot of players and a lot of teams, but at Duke, uh, the captaincy is something that is, is treated with a lot of respect. And so to have that removed, that was a, you know, I think that a soft punishment in the, in the eyes of an outsider, but I, I think that that really meant something at the time. I, I like looking at Grayson Allen like this. He exploded onto the scene in that 2015 national championship game against Wisconsin. Freshman coming off the bench, not the freshman that was going to be a one and done, not Jaleel Okafor, Tyus Jones, or Justice Winslow, but the other member of that class. Like he was such a forgotten, you know, like the, he was the Ringo star of that <laughs> recruiting class. And he comes onto the court. He has like eight quick points. He makes a huge hustle play. Duke was losing to Wisconsin. He and Mike Krzyzewski still says this. Grayson Allen's play in that title game is the reason why he was able to claim that national championship. Duke won the title because of Grayson Allen. Then he comes back his sophomore year. First team all-conference player. Uh, starts to really become hated because of the the way he, he flops a little bit. Yeah, and then like the tripping really got bad during his junior year. But during his junior and senior season... He, he had to take a step back. You know, he was letting Jason Tatum, uh, you know, he was obviously this year letting Marvin Bagley. He was, he was taking a step back both in terms of production minutes and, and how much they relied on him. So Grayson Allen has played like five different roles and then he finishes not in the final four where his career really started for many of us. And it, while he won them a title in 2015, that shot, which looked like it could have dropped in the cup twice as it was rolling around the rim, falls off. It's like, I, I don't know. I, sometimes, Danny, I, I like the to look at the sort of poetry of this and, and the way that it started in the NCAA tournament, the way that it finished is very different. And in between, it's just been absolutely insane. So he will be remembered. A lot of people hate Duke, and he's just going to be the face of this Duke era. Danny. Yeah, I think he's one of those guys. And I thought I was really enlightened because we had Justice Winslow, who was on that championship team. Uh, and he was, he kind of referred him to him as the Tim Tebow of college basketball. Like he said, he like kind of saying he's that nice of a guy. Like he's, and you know, he's like religious and he's, uh, and, and that shocked me. Like I didn't think that was the case. I thought it was somebody a little more edge and, you know, maybe not as humble. But then I heard him talk after the game last night and I was like, man, this is a pretty impressive young kid. So I think it's just the unfortunate part. And there's a lot of perks to playing at Duke, right? You get to play for championships, get to play for Coach K. There's a lot of notoriety. But 
there are a lot of Duke haters as well. And if you're a white guard, you're going to get compared to the rest of the white guards that played there and the style of play. When they're slapping the floor, that is kind of, they, that's going to make you the butt of a lot of jokes. And I'm okay with that. But I think I'm become, I'm coming around to liking Grayson Allen. I think it'll be easier to like him when he gets to the NBA. I think, I think yeah. it just will. Yeah. In, in media situations, Grayson's been nothing but great to me. And my peers. So mm-hmm. it's not, you know, I, I thought he's always given thoughtful answers and like a lot of, uh, college basketball play, you know, we get some really incredible access during ACC and NCAA tournaments, like stuff you never get during the year in terms of just totally open locker rooms, a lot of time to have a lot of conversations and, and even Marvin Bagley's comments about Grace and Allen were really telling to me, uh, talking about you know, what an important role, uh, he has had. In helping Bagley come into Duke, he felt like he came in late, and Grayson really went out of his way to pick him up. And I, I again, I think that, like you mentioned, JJ Redick earlier, if you hate Duke, sometimes there is a face of that hate. Yeah. And when you're a four-year player at Duke, and when you're a white guard, and especially one that, you know, if you're a rival, a, a player who can just crush your soul with a back-breaking three-pointer, like that's that you're going to end up hating that person. So Grayson Allen might be that for, uh, if you hate Duke, he's going to be the face of that hate. But I think Duke fans will ultimately really love Allen, both for being a part of that 15 title team, but also sort of his role as a teammate to all these NBA superstars. All right, let's go next up in what we learned. All right, we learned that Villanova, they're not just a jump shooting team, and they can win in different ways as they knock off Texas Tech, 71-59. It was pretty dominant. Here's Jay Wright after the game. We, we don't rely on our shooting. You know, there's a lot more to the game. Our guys take pride in that, and we never worry about missing shots. It's fun when they go in, but we don't worry about missing them. All right, Chip, so are you are you more encouraged that Villanova showed they can win and kind of win ugly, or are you concerned that this could be a liability moving into the Final Four? Nah, I think Villanova's going to win the title. Um, I'm, I'm feeling even better about that after seeing that game because, uh, you know, we get, I, I am guilty of this and I hate this, but I do think it's true. Uh, the NCAA tournament, when you have a national champion who everyone kind of thought was going to go on to win the national championship, you know, the, one of those top four teams, uh, a one seed that everyone kind of agrees during the year was one of the better teams in college basketball. There's always that one or two games among the six wins that it takes to cut down the nets where you kind of feel like they didn't play well, but, you know, they just figured out a, another way to win. And for Villanova, an incredible offensive team, uh, it was needing to lock down on defense. And that game was so ugly. There was like multiple scoreless droughts where both teams couldn't buy a field goal for like five or six minutes. And when Villanova gets over that game, that's when I'm like, oh man, like they're, they're not going to shoot the ball that poorly again. Texas Tech, uh, in my eyes, is one of, I think statistically, Texas Tech is one, is the last, uh, best defensive team in the country. I think they were number three in adjusted defensive efficiency behind v- Virginia out, Cincinnati out. So you get past Texas Tech and you just think that Villanova, like, man, that's, that's one of the toughest games that I think Villanova is going to play. And I think that, you know, you get out of that one and you're like, well, you know, I, that's normally when we look at the, the championship runs, there's always a game and it's usually second round sweet 16 or elite eight where it was ugly and they just found a way to win. And I, I think that was it for Villanova. And I think that they should be going to San Antonio. They are my pick. They were my pick. And I think they should be going to San Antonio feeling like they can win it all. 
Yeah, I'm probably with you. Vegas is totally on board. They're even money to win the title right now. I do feel like, and I mean, this is, this is Captain Obvious statement, but the thing that I, that, about the NBA that separates the, the most talented best team always wins. That's not the case in college basketball because it's the one game. It's the one game where if you get cold again, t- Kansas has way more weapons that they would face that could really hurt them if they have an off night. But what are the chances of them doing that? I think that's probably slim and none. So I'm, I'm with you. I, if I was putting money on somebody right now, I would put it on Villanova, but my account was blown up over the weekend. So I probably won't be putting money on anybody, uh, in that one. All right. Let's move on to the, uh, to the next game. This is the game that you were at and let's get to it. What we learned. All right. We learned that you should never bet against Sister Jean. She has taken the world by storm. And she said that, not me. It was not, she's not a national star. She's an international star. She was rocking the backwards hat. She was incredible. Uh, and so was Loyola. Like this team is legit. So I think, I think this team is a real threat. I think their offensive style of play with Porter Moses is really unique. And I think it could present some problems. Um, what, what do you think of Loyola's Cinderella run? I fell in love with this group. I, I mean, I was, it is sometimes, uh, when you, I've gotten to cover, uh, NCAA tournaments every year for about the last eight or nine years. And you, sometimes you show up to a site and it's, you know, Duke or Carolina is there and everything is take care of business and everything is kind of, uh, a little bit mechanical. And, you know, I, I kind of thought Kentucky was going to run through that site in Catlanta. And after, after four days and three basketball games, uh, I just, I, I really got great vibe. I mean, every, every little bit of chill bumps and every little bit of lovable twists and turns that you feel watching Loyola, not just Sister Jean, but like these players. I mean, the, the selfless style of basketball that they have, uh, those offensive possessions where they'll pass it around 11 times before finally finding a wide open man for basically a layup. They've got four or five different guys that can all beat you. Uh, and that selfless style kind of comes from Porter Mosier and, and what he's instilled within the team. I mean, they, the, the players really do love each other. Uh, in, I've just learned awesome stories like, uh, Clayton Custer, the Missouri Valley Conference Player of the Year, Ben Richardson. Uh, they've been playing basketball together since they were in third grade. They went 94 and six in high school, winning two Kansas State titles. Uh, and their high school coach was there. And so you got to got, got a chance to talk to him and Ben Richardson, the breakout player in the Elite Eight. He was never the offensive threat. He was supposed to be the best defensive player. So I just think that. They have so many different ways to beat you, and they have so much confidence in each other that in these close games, and really Kansas State was the only game of the tournament so far that wasn't close. I mean, their first three wins were by a combined four points, and in each of those three close wins, it was someone different stepping up with a huge shot, whether it's uh, you know Marcus Towns, Andre Jackson, Clayton Custer, and I just, I, I really believe that they can go where no 11 seed has gone. 11 seeds have made it to the final four. 11 seed mid-majors have made it to the final four. We saw George Mason and VCU both do it, but an 11 seed mid-major has never made it to the title game. I told you I'm picking Villanova, but I also really, really believe that Loyola can win one more game. I think Loyola is good enough. And like, we should, we know that they're an 11 seed. We know they're from the Missouri Valley Conference, 
But dude, they, they won 32 games this year. They are a very good basketball team. They play at a high level. And, uh, and I think that in a, in a college basketball season where, uh, we saw an NCAA title banner taken down for the first time ever, where we had the FBI corruption scandal and continue to have the fallout from that. Uh, you know, Porter Mosier, a coach who is kind of in his second life, uh, as a head coach. And some of these players were transfers from junior college and Clayton Custer started his career at Iowa State, couldn't get on the floor. You know, this is a, this is a feel good story. And I'll tell you what, I'm sure Mark Emmert is glad to have a feel good story. I'm, I'm sure he's glad that it's not Sean Miller in Arizona in the final four coming out of the South region. Um, but I, I, I love Loyola, man. I, it was easy. It, it was easy for me to have a lot of enthusiasm to chase the stories because it was absolutely worth it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I, I guess I wanted to turn it to the all-biblical team with Sister Jean and Porter Moses uh, by slipping up. I only got three hours of sleep. That was that was a little tongue-tied. Uh, but you actually you actually did chase down Porter Moses after the game. I just want to tell Chicago, I was so fired up to see the skyline say, Go Loyola. Are you kidding me? From just a dream. I mean, so many this has been a grassroots rebuild. And to bring a Final Four birth back to uh, Chicago, one of the greatest sports towns in the country, where I'm from, I'm so fired up. That was really cool. It was a really cool story. And to see the time with Rick Majerus and the emotion that he saw there uh, for his former mentor where he learned a lot of, you know, cut his teeth in the game. It was really cool to see him talk about that. All right, let's move up. This one's painful for me, but the last one. Mm. What we learned. <laughs> oh, we learned that the game is over. When you're down four with 13 seconds to go, apparently. Here was Leonard Hamilton talking about the end of the Michigan-Florida State game. Take me through the final seconds of this game. Why didn't you guys foul? Uh, what are you talking about? Down the stretch there, the end of the game, the final seconds, 11 seconds left on the clock. Do you think that the game came down to the final seconds of the game? I'm asking you, though, why that decision in the final seconds of the game? The game was over. You didn't think your guys could get back in it, put them on the line you if they miss those shots? I mean, but 15 seconds, uh, what, what were we down? All right, the part that makes it worse is that Leonard Hamilton thought there were actually 15 seconds of foul, which makes me even more irritated because it was driving me nuts with, with 13 seconds left, and they just gave up. Now, it felt to me like, yeah, if that's a regular season NBA game, that's what you do, but not in that situation in the tournament where you're facing a team that's one of the worst foul, uh, free throw shooting teams in the country – and I know uh, that, you know, you can say, hey, the, the percentages weren't there, but we've seen crazier finishes before. Why not at least give it a run for it? I I, I kind of think that his old school response was so uh, endearing for a coach who's about to turn 70. You know, Leonard Hamilton's like, man, do you know how many college basketball games I've seen? Like, he probably, he is one of those, like, wizened coaching veterans who can watch, like, seven possessions uh, of a stretch in the first half and tell you who's probably going to win. And that's, and that kind of was his point later. And he was like, they forced us into 14 turnovers and the frantic way in which Florida state kind of came back. You were talking about watching in the Delta sky club earlier. Yeah. So I had made it out of, uh, it was already into the second half. By the time I left the arena, I was staying at the Omni, which is kind of connected to Phillips arena. So I just went up to the hotel bar to go watch the second part and it was like the Michigan fans that were there all of a sudden, had, you know, were already celebrating, but then they got real panicky. And then the Florida State fans who were there, 
uh, you know, they thought it was over and then they were freaking out. Like it felt to me, and I didn't get a chance to watch the first half, but it felt to me like both fans, at least from what I saw, felt like a Michigan win. They had already decided in their minds, this is probably what's going to happen. And then it was just this late charge that kind of left a glimmer of hope, a glimmer of hope that clearly Leonard Hamilton had already uh, extinguished in his own mind. Yeah, and he actually he did he put out a statement and he apologized to Dana Jacobson for the way he handled the interview, but he didn't apologize for not fouling, which I thought was interesting. Uh, but in any case, I was watching it and I had taken Florida State plus four and a half, so my initial reaction was like, yes, my, I'm going to win, my, my, I'm going I'm to get a winner here. And then I was like, well, wait a second. It's not going to happen. He's not going to do anything. They're just going to let the clock run out. So I don't know. It's one of those things where what can you do? Would would they have won? Probably not. I had a couple of Florida State fans reach out on Twitter, and they're like, you know what? It was such an incredible one. We probably shouldn't even have been there. I'm like, well, that doesn't excuse it. You know, even more so. Maybe it's a miracle season. Um, so anyway, Leonard Hamilton's probably going to take some uh, heat for that one. Is he? There were he was the butt of a lot of jokes even after the game on Sunday. Like any time there was a late game situation, people were ripping on Leonard Hamilton. So I think that's going to be interesting if he can kind of live that down and get, put that in people's. You know, they haven't been to the final uh, Elite Eight since 1993. So it's not like they're a program that gets there a lot. So we'll have to see how that plays out. All right, let's look at the uh, the, the, the final four because it is set. It's in stone. Both teams. So you got Michigan versus Loyola. They're a five-point favorite. Nova is a five-point favorite versus Kansas. Which one of those do you think is more likely uh, to to get upset? I think I know your lean because you talked about them before, but I think you're going with Loyola, right? Yeah, I'm going to go uh, – like I think Michigan wins. Like I think my pick – I've got to turn in my – I've been – Turning in against the spread and straight up picks for all these NCAA tournament games. And so and I'm, I'm, when we get done here, I'm going to turn in, uh, Loyola to cover Michigan to win and then Villanova to both cover and win. I think I like Villanova by like seven to nine comfortable. And then I, I think Michigan, I mean, Michigan's the better team and Michigan is the hottest team in college basketball right now. You know, they run through the Big Ten tournament. They run through the West Regional and they've beaten a lot of good teams on the way to doing so. I, you know, if Loyola is good enough to win, I think ultimately with my pick, I'm going to say Michigan. But man, Loyola, 100%. That's a that's a squad that could could catch Michigan because, like you mentioned, I mean, let's let's talk about the the reasons why uh, Michigan might be beatable. Uh, number one, like you mentioned, free throw shooting percentage is among the worst in the country. Uh, number two, when they are not shooting. There are threes like they were against Texas A&M in the Sweet 16. Uh, they're not going to be able to really pull away from you. I think that you can close, as Florida State showed, you can close the gap on a deficit pretty quickly. They are an elite defensive team, and that's going to be something that I know Porter Mosier and the rest of the Loyola staff is really going to be working on uh, as they as they go through all their game planning, scouting, and prep. But, man, I just I, – I, I think that game's going to be close. And how about this? Doesn't it – doesn't it make it perfect uh, as a, an example of how crazy March Madness is that Michigan should have lost to Houston? Yeah. Michigan needed two missed free throws, not one, but two missed free throws and a three-pointer at the buzzer from Jordan Poole to even be in this position. Um, why just – Wild stuff when you think about, you know, the, the small margin of error in, in this tournament because Michigan probably should have and in 
in 69% of the other multiverses in the simulations of this world, they like Houston wins that game. Uh, but Michigan, Michigan was the one who did it. And they're the one in the final four. So Michigan, to answer your question, Michigan more beatable for sure. I feel very confident right now, uh, in Villanova. No doubt about it. It should be a fun weekend. And you, you hit on earlier. Mark Emmert has got to be doing jumping jacks right now because to have these storylines coming in, you got some big brands, you got the blue bloods, you have a Cinderella who is really more than just a Cinderella because of his sister Jean story. Like people are in love with this because it's a major market TV wise with being ties to Chicago. Uh, I think it's the perfect example for them. All right. Uh, he is Chip Patterson. Thanks for joining us, man. We really appreciate it. Make sure you can f- check him out at CBS Sports HQ online. You can follow him on Twitter. He's a really good Twitter follow at Chip underscore Patterson on Twitter. And during college football, what's now what's the status of the 24-7 college football pod? Are you guys on a weekly? Or are you guys on a hiatus? Because you and Barton Simmons do a great job. If college football fans got to check you guys out. We are uh, we did. We're going to now that like the spring games are going. Barton, dude. Bart, I am, I am not a spring game junkie. Barton is a spring game junkie. He loves that stuff. Like, cause you know, he does, he's all on the recruiting scene. So yep. he wants to see the second and third stringers out there and, and seeing, uh, seeing what they're looking like in pads. So we're going to, we're going to be digging into, uh, some of the, some of this Barton. He's going to help me out because I've been all college basketball for several weeks now. So we're going to have some fun digging into, you know, some, some spring takeaways and, and, and seeing what's buzzing around different camps, uh, here in the next couple weeks or so. All right. Perfect, man. Thanks for helping us out today. Have a good one. Yeah. Good luck with your, uh, hotel room neighbor relations. <laughs> you got it. Day. I will. Here's what's happening with Hannah. With the end of college basketball season approaching comes the early end of college careers for some that decide to forego remaining eligibility and declare for the NBA draft. That's what Ohio State forward Keita Bates-Diop did this morning, according to reports. Bates-Diop averaged 19.8 points per game and 8.7 rebounds a night for the Buckeyes as a junior. CBS Sports NBA mock draft has him going 21st overall. I think it's no surprise at all. I think, you know, you got one year left. Why not capitalize on on that projection why you can i think you know you've come back maybe you boost your stock but you're not gonna have much leverage if you're uh you know if you're 10 years up at ohio state so no surprise there over to the NFL, all of a sudden, Ndamukong Sue watch feels more like Kirk Cousins' watch. The biggest high-profile free agent remaining had an offer revoked from the Jets over the weekend. Now it appears the the race for Sue's services is down to the Titans, the Saints, and the Rams. Danny, what's going to give? Uh, this is interesting because Sue is one of the best players when he tries hard. But when he got paid in Miami, you saw him on film shut it down where he actually did mm-hmm. not try because he had all that guaranteed money, I think this is a really polarizing figure. I would never pay him as much money, guaranteed money, as these teams are going to get. But if he goes to the Rams and he's paired up with Aaron Donald, they are going to be nightmares on defense. NFL Network's Ian Rappaport reporting that Giants wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. won't set foot on field without a new contract extension agreed to. Just so happens to come the day after New York owner John Mara said no one is, quote, untouchable. Uh, trade him. I'm, I'm done with o- Odell Beckham. He's not worth the hassle. And that's crazy to say because he's one of the best, maybe him and Antonio Brown really neck and neck for best receiver in the NFL, but it is not worth it. You can have a great guy who gets you a lot of production, but it comes a cancer in the locker room. And that's what Odell has been. And I don't think he's ever going to change. 
Well, the other contract we'll be watching throughout the offseason, Le'Veon Bells, but apparently not for a while as the Steelers put negotiations on hold in order to focus on free agency and the draft. Bell is currently on Pittsburgh's franchise tag and will have until July 16th to work out a long-term deal. He's not going to be there July 16th. This will probably run really late, uh, right up to probably week one, and I wouldn't be surprised if he might even miss a game because I don't see them, these two sides coming together in an agreement. Le'Veon thinks he's one of the, he should be paid much more. And the Steelers are like, hold on a second. You're a running back. We can find, you know, we got James Conner. We've got other guys to fill your role. So I think this one goes on for a long time. Over to the MLB now. Probably the only history the Phillies will set this season came before opening day. On Sunday, the Ink top prospect Scott Kingery to a six year contract through the 2023 season, worth $24 million in guaranteed money. Options could make it up to $66 million. The thing is, Kingery has never played in the majors, making it the biggest deal for an amateur player with zero MLB experience. Dang, I should have played baseball. <laughs> your answer every, I know, every time, time. Yeah, that's a lot of money. That's crazy. Yep. And lastly, if not for Tiger Woods being Tiger Woods, Bubba Watson might be the biggest story on the PGA Tour this season. Watson captured the WGC Dell Technologies match play, crushing Kevin Keisner on Sunday, his second win of 2018. That performance followed up Watson's semifinal match where he beat Justin Thomas and prevented JT from the number one world ranking. Uh, so here's the thing. I, I know I said Tiger's going to win the Masters. If he doesn't, Bubba Watson is. Like, cause, and here's the thing about the Masters that, the, uh, you know, diehard golf fans might know this. The course really sets up well for left-handed golfers. Like it's just, it, the way it's set up, it kind of works for them really well. That's why I've seen Phil have a lot of success. Bubba's had success there. He's playing as good as anybody. So I wouldn't be surprised, uh, if he makes a run at that Masters too. Anyway, it should be a fast, a fascinating, you know, Sunday round, hopefully at the, uh, in Augusta. And we still need to get the show there, right? We still need, we yes. still need to do. Hannah thinks it'll be lame. I know what's going through your mind. You think golf, it's boring. It would be a blast. No, no. I think it would be a blast. I would just definitely need some like alcoholic beverages on the pod. Rory won't let you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Hold me back. All right. Yeah, exactly. All right. Let's move on to the NBA where there was some pretty interesting developments, uh, developments injury wise where Steph Curry continues to just be hounded by different issues. He had the ankle where he missed some time. Now he's got another knee issue. Uh, it's a deep knee, right? Debo, I'm right on that, right? Yeah. The MCL. Yeah, the MCL, which is a very painful, and the only thing that heals it is rest. And Steve Kerr came out and said there is, quote, no way he plays in the first round of the playoffs. This has me concerned. I think he's one of the most – and this is crazy because he was an MVP, but I still mm-hmm. don't think he gets the credit. Once Kevin Durant came over, I think everybody assumed, oh, they, they're becoming the super team because of Kevin Durant. But it's almost like we forgot – what an unbelievable offensive force that Steph Curry is. Right. If he, if he misses time in the playoffs, I think that could really damage their chances, especially with Houston coming on so strong and looking so, uh, you know, at, at worthy of a number one seed and worthy of a team that's knocking them off. And I still think that the, that the Warriors, the Warriors with all their complacency and boredom and just get us to the, you know, just get us in the playoffs, just mm-hmm. get us there. I think that could come back to haunt them. And when you got the Houston team that looks like they're hungry and they want to accomplish something and knock them from their perch, I think that's that could present some problems for the Warriors. But any it does absolutely add some drama for everybody that made the assumption, hey, it's gonna be Warriors, it's gonna be Warriors, it's gonna be Warriors. I think this definitely throws a wrench in those plans. There was also some uh some injury news in the East where Kyrie Irving 
uh, had a minimally invasive uh, procedure, which I think is funny because it's minimally invasive to everybody except for Kyrie Irving because they actually went into his body into his body like that's it's a surgery, so it's still a big deal. He's going to miss three to six weeks. I don't the Celtics. So Debo said on here, can the Celtics survive the first round without Irving? Yes, I think they can survive the first round. But the bigger question to me, and this is what you should be thinking if you're a Celtics fan, is what are their chances to actually knock off the Cavs? I think they're slim and none without Kyrie. And and it's really crazy because this team, when Gordon Hayward was healthy at the beginning of the year, you felt maybe this was the year with Kyrie coming over that they could do it. But I think there's no question this is a devastating blow to the Celtics. And the more interesting thing that we'll see is how healthy is he from this? How much is this a lingering problem? Uh, the surgery was to, to remove a tension wire in his left knee. Who knows how complicated that is? It doesn't yeah. sound really great. So we'll have to see. Right now they're projected to play the Bucks in the first round, which I would take the Bucks all day long in that <laughs> matchup without Kyrie. Yeah, All right, let's have some fun there was some crazy stuff over the weekend. What do you got for t- uh, topics, Debo? Topics. So the conversation in college athletics has been about how 18 to 22-year-olds are constantly being exploited. Let's not forget about the exploitation of 98-year-olds, though. You better believe Sister Jean is going to make some people some money. Loyola proving more than 25 T-shirts to this point. They're going to make bobbleheads of Sister Jean, and I know it's not going to stop there. It's a cute enough story. Danny, you received some flack for that tweet. But are you going to buy some Loyola and Sister Jean gear? Did you see? So I took the I took the heat because I said Florida State was going to wax Loyola uh, in the Final Four. And that was before the even Michigan game happened. So I was talking smack, and I got roasted on it, which was well-deserved. Uh, but before that, I did say I wanted to find some Sister Jeans from Nike because Nike needs to make them. The players actually had sister on one shoe on the heel and jean on the other. Those were fire. So we need to find a pair of the sister jean Nikes for the show. I like right? that. Right? Hannah yeah. would rock those all day, wouldn't you, Hannah? Oh, yeah. All day. All day. Yeah. I mean, She'll rock the sister jeans and the Grayson Allen jersey on air. <laughs> oh, yeah. I still she have lost, to get that. She lost a bet. Yeah. I was, uh, yeah. I'm just sad that they're out now because not only did, did Syracuse lose, and that was embarrassing because I went to the bar wearing, like, all Syracuse gear. But then now Duke's out, which means my bracket's totally roasted. I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) So lots of things happening in Miami over the weekend. Yeah, it's my stomping grounds. Shout out South Beach. Oh, no. That is too (laughs) good. Can we put that right next to the bye-bye-bye? I, right. I don't know what Hannah was doing. I went to the uh, the Miami Open, Danny, but that's not Ooh. what we're talking about here. One of those things going on besides Ultra, besides just a lot of stuff, was Shaq versus Gronk in a dance battle. You can see the video at Canel and Bell on Twitter. Who won? Hold on a second. That was a dance battle. I thought it was a dance routine. I thought a battle you go against one another because it looked like they there was were like doing a five second together. stretch where they were going against each other. And then Gronk got uh, on Shaq's shoulders, uh, which just seemed uncomfortable baffles- for all, all parties involved. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was really uncomfortable, but it still baffles my mind how Shaq because Gronk is not a small individual and Shaq is ginormous. I mean, he's Shaq. He's seven feet, three hundred plus pounds, but he put him on on his head like it was no big deal. Like it was like it was like I put my daughters, my five year olds on my shoulders and walk around. The Shaq wasn't phased at all by it. I think this whole thing is 
like so dumb. There, there's no way yeah. that either one of them are like winning at dance battle. Like they're both just like yeah. such clowns. And I support them. I support them do like doing whatever B- they're going to do. Bigger clown Miami. then. Bigger clown. Who's the bigger clown? Gronk. Oh, Gronk. All day. That's <laughs> because Shaq is actually. I think Shaq is actually funny. And I, yeah. I Gronk, I'm kind of over the act. And I don't think there's any chance, at the, any chance whatsoever that Shaq wanted him on his shoulders especially when Gronk kind of like started going sideways and coming around (laughs) and I feel like if I saw Shaq in Miami like he'd be like cool he'd be chill right like I've seen Gronk and he's he's like an animal like he's like a liability the opposite of chill (laughs) the opposite yeah Yeah, no he's like a legit liability I mean I wish Raja was here to talk about Gronk also wish he was here for our last topic and it's an addition of Raja rules without Raja so Metal World Peace a guy we talked about on Friday's show when Scott Pollard came on and told us that Ron Ron wasn't sure if he was going to get fined after the malice at the palace. He tweeted this out the other day. I'm changing basketball rules. If you foul someone, all you have to do is say sorry and give the player a hug. And they don't get to shoot free throws because of good sportsmanship. If the opponent <laughs> refuses the hug, a technical foul will get called on the refuser. Um, no Raja, but Danny, what do you think of this one? Hey, his name is Meta World Peace. Like he's trying to bring peace to and harmony it. to every every facet of the game. Uh, I mean, this is this is this is Ron Artest. This is old school. This is World Meta Peace just doing something to be World Meta Peace, right? Meta I mean, World can peace. you really picture like someone just like hugging? I I just I can't imagine Grace and Allen just hugging someone <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> No. Now in a pickup hoops game, I can see that working out. In a pickup hoops game, I can see you saying, "Harry, you know, bro, hugging it out." But I still think you'd want to get the ball back. Like you're getting the ball, right? He's not. He's not saying you give up the ball. No ball back, but no free throws. Pretty much, he just I think doesn't want free throws in the sport of basketball. <laughs> hey, it does slow it down, but I, I don't think it's gonna. I don't think Adam Silver is gonna take that proposal on his desk. But he might take our boy Rajas when we get Rajas rules all together. We need to put for them sure. like in a nice, neat binder and yes. pitch them to Adam Silver in the NBA. Yeah, we'll get them yeah. bound for <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We're going to get that done for sure. All right. Rajah Bell will be back with us on Wednesday. But we thanks uh, thanks for checking us out. Thanks to Chip Patterson as well for coming on. He was fantastic breaking down all our college basketball stuff. Make sure you go subscribe to us and download an Apple podcast. You can listen, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, anywhere you find your podcast. Check us out and go to iTunes, leave us that five-star review and ask us a question. Ask us anything you want and we are bound by contracts to answer those questions. Right, Hannah? Yes. Give us some good questions. I I beg of this every single week and I'm not going to stop until I get the good questions. That's right. And leave us some feedback <laughs> at Canel and Bell. It's pretty funny on Twitter because people think it's my account and Debo's roasting people all day, which is pretty entertaining. <laughs> that is <laughs> all true. All right, see you guys on Wednesday. <laughs>